If you didn't bring a Bible with you this morning, if you'd raise your hand, the ushers have extra Bibles. We'd be glad to loan you one, get one to you. If you didn't bring a Bible, raise your hand. And let's all turn, please, to the Gospel account of John. Gospel account of John, John 14, and about verse 21. John 14, 21, Jesus is speaking. And he said, He that has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. And he that loves me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. The Amplified says, I'll love him. And do what? I'll let myself be clearly seen by him and make myself real to him. How many are interested in the Lord making himself real to you and allowing you to clearly see him? Keep reading. Verse 22, Judas said to him, not Judas Iscariot, another Judas, Lord, how is it that you'll manifest yourself to us and not to the world. How are you going to show yourself to us and you're not going to show yourself to the world? Without taking the time or going to the scriptures, you know, God is a God who reveals himself. He's also a God who hides himself. The question is, who does he reveal himself to? And who does he hide himself from? I know that sounds strange to some people, but look up the scriptures. You'll see what I'm talking about. I'm quoting scripture. Did you know that God could shake this planet today? He could manifest himself in the sky. He could speak. He could move. He could do things. He could stretch forth his hand. And I mean within a few seconds, there wouldn't be anybody on the planet that didn't believe in God. There would be no atheists or agnostics or skeptics. Somebody says, well, why don't he do it? Because he doesn't want to. He's chosen not to. And you know, we've had people from years past and even in recent times, well, prove to me. That God is real. Prove to me that God exists. And you see Christians get involved in this. Trying to prove it. That's not my job. I said that's not my job. To prove God is real to anybody. It's not your job either. If I could prove to you the reality of God. Then you wouldn't have to have faith. That would you know, go against God's whole purpose in what he's doing right now. He purposely has not shown himself to everybody. He's allowed things to where if you want to doubt, you can doubt. At least for a little while. <laughs> How many know as soon as you die, you know. <laughs> there are no atheists in hell. As soon as you die, all that silly conjecture and intellectualism is out the window. Now you know what it is. You see it. 
Well, I just don't believe all that. Well, you'll find out soon enough. (laughs) And for some, it'll be too late. Because what's going on is that humanity is being sorted. You heard Jesus talk about sheep and goats? Heard him talk about wheat and chaff? Hmm? What's separating and sorting humanity? Those that believe and those that don't. The ones that believe are the ones he's going to keep. The ones that's going to be with him throughout eternity. The ones that don't are going to be rejected. They're going to be removed from his presence. And I know people don't like to hear that. They go, oh, how could a loving God do all that? Well, how are you going to sit there and judge God and don't know what you're talking about? He created you. He created everything. You are not qualified to judge Him. Don't know what you're talking about. He is love. He is good. And when everything is said and done, and everybody that is removed from Him, it'll all be seen, the Bible says in Romans, that yea, let God be true, and every man a liar. That you may be justified when you are judged. People judge God, and they say, oh, it's not fair, it's not right. How could a good God do this or that? Well, soon enough, your ignorance is going to be shown. And every mouth is going to be closed. And everybody will see God was fair. God was just. He was and is and always will be good. And people who have wisdom believe it now. Let me tell you something that will get you through the roughest places in life. There will be times you won't understand. There will be times you don't see why or why not. And sometimes you'll have to look up through your tears. But let me tell you what will get you through. Never, ever do this. Never look up at God and go, why? Why? It's an accusation. You're accusing Him of something. You're accusing Him of being unfair. You're accusing Him of not loving. You're accusing Him of not being faithful. And I'm telling you, He's never failed anybody. And He never will. There's just a lot you don't understand. There's a lot you and I don't see. Let me tell you what will get you through the worst times this life could dish out. You look up even through your tears. And you say, Lord, I don't understand this. I don't know why I don't see this. But I know this. You're good. (laughs) I know this. You're a faithful God. You'll never leave me. You'll never forsake me. You'll never let me down. And I'm holding to you. You're not my problem. You're my help. You're not against me. You're for me. And I'm going to hold to you. I'm going to hold to you. With my last breath, I'm going to hold to you. And I'm telling you, friend, if you'll do that, He will do whatever it takes to get you through. But when you start shaking your fist and you accuse God and you're cutting off your own help, He's not your problem. He's your answer. God is not real to many on the planet. Even a lot of church going people. God is not real to them at all. And then there are other people. God is so real. He's as real to them as their breath. 
He's more real to them than human people they interact with. And it's not our job to prove the reality of God or the existence of God. It's your choice whether you believe or not. It's our job to proclaim the good news, to tell it so people can believe it if they will. And if they don't, then they won't. He that believeth, the Bible said, will be saved. He that believes not will be damned. And so it's within our choices. Sometimes people say, well, I I can't believe that. Sure you can. I can't believe that, and it's not scientifically proven. I can't believe that, and I can't see it through a microscope or telescope or understand it with my... I can't believe... Yes, you can. That's what believing is all about. It's a choice. You just choose to believe it. In fact, people choose to believe lies all the time with no basis of fact. And even after they see truth and contradictory facts, they still hold on to the lies. Happens all the time. You can believe anything you want to. You can believe a lie. Based on nothing. Or you can believe the truth. Based on the word. Now we begin. In our last session. On a new series. We're calling the words. Of Jesus. Somebody say the words of Jesus. And here he says. If you love the Lord. You'll keep his words. Keep means you'll receive them. You'll treasure them. You'll remember them. And you'll do them. If you don't keep his words. Verse 23. Jesus answered and said to him. If a man love me. He will keep my words. My father will love him. We'll come to him and make our abode with him. Now this is elaborating on that previous statement. I'll manifest myself to him. God will come to you. He'll visit you. He'll manifest and make himself seen and known and make himself real to you. Now come on friends, are you interested in this at all? We're not talking about dead religion. We're not talking about going to church and checking the boxes. We're not talking about shaking the preacher's hand. We're talking about God being real to you. This is something nobody can take away from you. This is not you knowing God through brother so-and-so's experience. Or you knowing God through mom and daddy's experience. This is you knowing him for yourself because you're experiencing him. For yourself. Nobody can take that away from you. I have some personal experience of God. Nobody can ever take that away from me. My faith in God is not dependent on any man or any woman or any institute or any school or any denomination. Did you hear me now? I believe in God because I know Him for myself. He's real to me. Nobody, there are no intellectuals who can talk me out of my faith. There's nobody. You can't beat it out of me with a bat. Why? I was there. I've experienced him. No, not nearly all that he is, but some. And you can't, you know, the man with an experience 
is not at the expense of a man with an argument. A man with an experience, a person with experience, is not at the expense of someone with an argument. You can talk all you want to about there being no more water in the pool. But if I'm doing the backstroke, (laughs) I'm wet. You understand? All the talk in the world, I don't care how many degrees you got on the end of your name and how eloquently you can explain how all the water has passed away, I'm wet. (laughs) So I'm not subject to your rhetoric and reasoning. And every believer should know God for themselves. Must know God for yourself. And this is not somebody's vague idea now. This is exactly how God will reveal himself to you. Not by you begging him, oh Lord, show yourself to me. Oh Lord, I want you to be real to me. Oh Lord, make yourself. He didn't say do that. And yet that's what a lot of people have done. Oh, please, I want to see you. Please, I want you to be real to me. He didn't say those that beg me intensely, I'll reveal myself to. That'd be easier than doing this. What did he say do? If you love me, you will keep my words. You will seek for his words. You will listen to His words. You will treasure His words. You will not forget but always remember His words. And you will do His words. And if you don't seek His words and treasure them and do them, then you don't love Him. I don't care how many times you say you love Him. I'm going to have to go with Him. And He said if you don't keep His words, you don't love Him. And it's not about your name being on the roster. It's not about being joining the church and joining the denomination or this or that. It's about do you love the Lord? Do you know Him? Keep reading. Verse 24. Jesus said, He that loves me not keeps not my sayings, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's which has sent me. So this series that we uh, have begun now is called The Words of Jesus. And we are embarking upon a study of the words of Jesus. Not an exhaustive study, but I would say a thorough one. We're going to take the gospel account of John. And we're going to go through the whole thing and look at every red Letter word. Why? Is this important or not? It doesn't get any more important than Jesus and what he said. And if we're serious about this, wanting to know him, wanting him to be real to us, then we need to act on this truth. We need to seek his words and what he said. And we need to ask ourselves the questions. Every time we read one of these red-lettered phrases in the book here, we need to ask ourselves, do we know who said this? Does it matter to us? Do we realize how important this is? And secondly, do we understand what he said? And of course, you know, there's always going to be an expansion of that. 
No matter what you see and know, the Word of God is alive. It's living. So you never get to the place where, yeah, I got that verse. I've exhausted all the light and truth from that verse. That's never going to happen. But you need to understand it enough to do the next part. If you understand it, then what's it time to do? Act on it. How do I do this? How do I act on it? And this is where people are coming short. Uh, Go to Ezekiel 33, please. Ezekiel 33. The Lord can be so real to us if we will allow Him to be. There will always be others that He's not real to in this world, but it's their own fault whether they realize it or not. You got people all over the place, they're saying to God, prove yourself to me and I'll believe in you. And what's He saying? Believe in me and I'll reveal myself to you. And so, you got a bunch of the world that's at a standoff with God. Who do you think is going to change? <laughs> well, I tell you who's not going to change. Because <laughs> he doesn't need to. He's right. And so, you do. You know, don't let unsaved family members, unsaved co-workers, unsaved, you know, acquaintances try to intimidate you and go well prove to me the existence of God you just say hey that's not my job no 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 I'm not supposed to try to prove anything to you I'm supposed to live it in front of you what I believe be consistent but I'm not supposed to try to prove anything to you prove to me that anybody really gets healed not my job prove to me that people really get born again not my job (laughs) not my job prove to me that God is real no he says believe in me first well how am I going to believe in him and I don't understand it that's what believing is all about it's a choice well I can't believe something I can't see and understand that's what believing's for it's when you can't see and understand you choose to believe anyhow And when you do now, you have opened the door for him to reveal himself to you. If you keep demanding him to reveal himself to you, then you're going to believe it's not going to happen. Not now, not next year. Because you're not God. He doesn't submit to you. He doesn't do it your way. You do it his way. Thank you for those two nods. Ezekiel 33 and 30. Here is a huge problem, even among church-going people. He said, Ezekiel 33, 30, He said, Son of man, the children of your people still are talking against you by the walls and in the doors of the houses. And they speak one to another, every one to his brother, and they say, Come, I pray you, and hear what is the word that comes forth from the Lord. And they come to you as the people come, and they sit before you as my people, and they hear your words, but they will not do them. For with their mouth they show much love, but their heart goes after their covetousness. 
And lo, you are unto them as a very lovely song of one that has a pleasant voice and can play well on an instrument. For they hear your words, but they do them not. Is there a big problem of hearing and not doing? Oh, it's huge. It's huge. And we live in an entertainment society where people are used to and virtually programmed to be entertained. And people come to church with that same mentality. Isn't that what he said? Even back then, before TV, before internet. It was still the same thing. He said, they're coming and listening to you like it's a performance. Like it's a concert. Like somebody that has a nice voice. And somebody that can play skillfully on an instrument. And they go, isn't that nice? Isn't that nice? But they have no intention of doing anything. Wonder if this is the case in many churches. With many people coming. They come. They want to be entertained. They want to hear something. Make them think or go, that's nice. That's interesting. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? That's nice. But have no intention of changing anything in their life. And according to Jesus, if that's the case, you don't love him. And because of that, he's not going to be real to you. And that would explain why there are so many cold Christians. They believe in stuff on paper. They believe in things in principle and theory. But God's not real to them at all. Are you hungry for the Lord to be more real to you? Come on, let's get hungry for this. Because they that are hungry and thirst after righteousness, they're the ones that get filled. How is God going to become more real to you and me? We... Keep his words. We treasure them. We tre- you know, now I'm taking a little time before we get to the red letters. I don't know how many red letters we'll get to today. That's right. If we spent the whole time just getting ready to look at the red letters. That would be worth it. Time well spent. Because too many times people have just read right over them. It didn't mean anything to them. They didn't do anything with it. And oh, it's a problem when you get used to doing that. You get used to doing that. You get used to hearing and seeing and doing nothing. Then you're in the category of these folk here. You think church is entertainment. We, in the media age we live in now, we got CDs. We got DVDs. We got MP3s. And we have such a massive quantity Of good teaching and preaching and singing and these things available to us. That you could just listen to series and preaching and teaching and singing from now on. And people are, and it's good to receive and feed on it. It's good to hear it. But it's not good to hear it. You know, if you're hearing, well, that's good. Where's the next tape? That's good. Where's the next CD? That's good. Mm Mm-mm. I took three pages of notes. That's great. Okay, good. Got another series? Whoa, whoa, whoa. What did you do with that one? 
I heard the whole thing three times. No, I said, what did you do with it? I listened to it 12 times. No, I said, what did you do with it? I got three notebooks of notes. So, what did you do with it? How did it change your life? What did you stop doing? What did you start doing? What did you change? See, this is where folks are missing it. I know some years ago, and you've heard me say these things. We, Our little ones are saying these things. They have for years. And it's why it comes back to this. I was in a large meeting. And uh, as I was looking around, a lot of good people there. I was just an attendee. And uh, the Lord spoke to my heart. I don't mean I heard an audible voice. But inside me, he said, uh, Keith, there's something that hinders me. In your circles. And there is a misconception. In your circles. Now I know what he's talking about is. So called faith people. Word people. I thought what is it Lord what. It is. That if you get in the word enough. It will solve all your problems. If you get in the word enough. It will fix everything. I thought that's a misconception. (laughs) And I said, yeah, we pretty much believe that. He said, wrong. He said, it's only the doer of the word that gets the results. And I saw it. And I began to meditate on it. And I thought, oh, that's the truth. That's the truth. People are substituting hearing the word for doing the word. They think just because they're hearing it, they're a doer. They think because they got a closet full of materials, they're a doer. They think because they go to all the conventions and meetings that they're a doer. It doesn't make you a doer. It makes you a hearer. Hold your place here. Well, you don't have to hold your place here. Go to James. Book of James. Something's worth doing. It's worth taking time. Getting it right. We're not talking about trying a bunch of theory and we're not talking about a bunch of principle and social reform. We're talking about the creator of the heavens and earth manifesting himself to us personally. I think this is big stuff. Do you? I'm excited about it. I have some small experience in the Lord and I want more. The Bible said taste and see that he is good. And when you get a taste of him, you know what you want? You want more. You say, more, Lord, more. And he has told us how to get more. It's not the way tradition tells you. So stop begging him to reveal himself to you. You're wasting your time. And do what he said do. How do we get him to reveal himself to us? Manifest himself in our services or in our living room. How can we get God to show up? How can we get him to manifest himself to us? He said, keep my words. So, as of a few days ago, we have made this priority one. Right? Priority one, we've been on it, but we've just enhanced it. This is priority one. What? Find out what he said. 
Yeah, we've heard it before, but there's things we hadn't heard before. And maybe we didn't give it the proper respect first time around. And maybe we hadn't put it into practice. We're going to find out what he said. We're going to treasure it. We're going to talk about it. And we're going to do it. I said, we're going to do it. Come on. How many doers do I have in here? Not just hearers only. Doers. And what's going to happen when we do what he says? He said... He's going to reveal himself to us, manifest himself to us, make himself real to us. At the moment, I just don't know of anything more important than that. James 1. You know, somebody might say, well, reaching the lost is more important. Reaching them with what? You know what they're hungry for? I tell you what they're not hungry for. They're not hungry for religion. They're not hungry for a bunch of men's ideas. And you ought to do this. And you ought not to do that. And they don't want to hear that. They're not hungry for somebody pushing church down their throat. What are they hungry for? Whether they know it or not. They are hungry for God. The reality, not of religion in church, the reality of God. And you can't give what you don't have, such as you have, that's what you give. You can only communicate the reality of God according to what you have. And I'm telling you, the more real God is to you, you just walk in a place and not say a word. And people know something's up. Why? Because he's with you. He's real to you. You commune with him. People want that. They're interested in that. James 1. He said. Verse 21. 121. Lay apart all filthiness. Superfluity of naughtiness. Receive with meekness. The engrafted word. Which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only. Why would he say this? Lest there's a danger of being a hearer only. Deceiving your own selves. This is the danger. What is deception? Deception is when you believe a lie is true. You believe something is true that's not true. If you knew it was a lie... You wouldn't be deceived. You become convinced something is true that is not true. So you're not looking for the truth because you think you got the truth. You're in bad shape. You're deceived. And he said, don't just be a hearer only, be a doer. If you're a hearer only, you deceive yourself. And what are you deceiving yourself about? That you're doing it. Just what we were talking about earlier. You're thinking because you heard it, you're a doer. Well, I've been going to church all my life. So? (laughs) Man, I've heard a lot of sermons. And how many have you done? It doesn't matter how many you've heard. The only things that are going to change your life is what you do. The things you put into practice. He said, 
Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. If any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man beholding his natural face in a glass, or we'd probably say mirror. For he beholds himself, he looks at himself, and he goes his way and straightway does what? Forgets what manner of man he was, or in other words, he forgets what he saw in the mirror. Now, don't lose track of what he's telling us about. What's he explaining to us? What it's like to be a hearer only, a hearer and not a doer. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and this word look is the present tense continuum. You're looking and keep on looking. And continues, there's that word, continues therein. He being not a forgetful hearer. So what's the danger? Forgetting. Forgetting what you saw. And see, when you hear the word of God, you see. The hearing brings the seeing. But you're not done. You could be in the greatest service in the world. You could be in the greatest time of personal fellowship at your own home with your Bible and praying. And oh man, you could get some things out of the Word of God and you can see them amazingly. And you can just be having an experience. But how many would say, you're not done? You're not done. What's the challenge now? To not forget it. To keep it in front of you after the service. To keep it in front of you six weeks after it was preached. Six weeks after you heard it and saw it. To keep it in front of you and not forget it and be a doer of it. Because these are the only people that God's going to be real to. God's not going to be real to you just because you go to church. Just because you sit on the pew. Just because you listen to sermons. Just because you read your Bible. He's not going to be real to you unless you become a a keeper and a doer of his word. Now, friend, don't, don't let this get past you. You may think, I already know that. I've heard you say this before. No, please, hear me with your heart. Millions of believers are missing it right here. In talking with people. I was talking with Phyllis about this other night. You meet people all the time. And they want to know what I think or what she thinks about something. Well, what is your opinion? How do you feel? What do you think? And my response is, what does that matter? It doesn't matter what I think. And they look at you shocked like, Well, yeah, I'd like to know your opinion. And I'm thinking, I don't want to know my opinion. That's what messes people up. (laughs) If you really love the Lord, His Word has become paramount in your life. To masses of church-going people, the Lord's words are suggestions. They are advisory His words are supplemental. And I've had people just get irritated with me because I kept giving them scripture. 
They're like, oh yeah, yeah, don't just quote Bible to me. Tell me what you think. No, that's your problem. We all have a right to our opinion. If Jesus is your Lord, you don't. No. If you love him and he really is your head, then it doesn't matter what you think or how you feel. What matters is what he said. And yours and my thoughts and feelings must conform and submit and give way in place to what he said. Now, most everybody would agree with you on this that go to church. And yet, it's not happening day in and day out. you got to examine yourself. I know when I first went to Raymond, I was there first year, getting a lot of good teaching. Thank you, Lord. And the Lord prompted me. He said, examine. I don't mean I heard a voice now, but inside me. Examine everything you believe. Examine it. Everything. You ever thought you believed. Examine it and find it in the word. Discipline yourself. To find it. Well. I said help me Lord I'll do it. Help me to realize it. And it would happen just every day virtually. Something would come up and I'd think well I believe that. He said alright where's it at? (laughs) Where's it at? So I'd start searching the scriptures. And on this one particular thing, you know, I couldn't find it. I thought, well, I just don't know the Bible that good yet. So I got in my concordance, and I said, I know it's in there. I know it's in there because, you know, I've believed this all my life. And I got to looking, and I couldn't find it, and I couldn't find it, and I actually found some verses that contradicted it. Now, i got a choice to make now, don't I? Because Grandpa believed this, and Mom and Daddy and them believed this, and this is what they preached at my church for 50 years, and... I can't find it. And here's where people pop up and go, yeah, but now I just feel, and I feel strongly. <laughs> oh, 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 you feel strongly. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, I feel very strongly. <laughs> Carnal people are continuously talking about how they feel. And what they think. Spiritual people. Talk about what he said. Oh come on. They talk about what he said. What he said. Quit talking about what you think. And how you feel. And how strongly you feel. And get back to this. And everything you think you believe. Measure it. Bring it back. Say where is it at? Where is it at? Because if it's not in here. It's not the thing that can pass the test of time. It's not worth building your life on. It's not the solid rock that you can build a life on. It's sand. And it can wash out from under you at any time. Keep reading. If you're a hearer of the word and not a doer, verse 23, he's like a man looking at his natural face in a glass. We're going to be looking at these words. Obviously, we're not going to get to too many of them today. But, of course, these are his words, too. The challenge is to keep it in front of us. You know, Jesus told about the parable of the sower. The devil comes to steal the word, doesn't he? As soon as you see something, what's his objective? To distract you. And one of the enemy's biggest 
uh, most effective ploys is procrastination. So many times he knows he can't come in the front door and just try to get you to agree that you're never going to do this. <laughs> you wouldn't agree with that. You know that's not right. So what will he do? Let's just put it off till tomorrow. Let's don't act on it today. Let's think about it. Or, you know, one of the favorite verses, uh, verses phrases is uh, pray about it. I'm going to pray about it. I've had people do that with me any number of times. They came to me. Some things are obvious. The word already covers it specifically. And they asked a question that the word had already covered specifically. And I gave it to them. And they said, hmm. Well, I'm going to pray about that. About what? It's going to read exactly the same. While you're praying and when you get through praying. But see, that's how the enemy works. He knows you're not just going to say, okay, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing the Bible. But if he can just get you to say, well, you know, we need to look at that sometime. Yeah, you know, the preacher brought up some real interesting points. We, we need to look at that real close soon. That walking in love stuff. We need to look at that. <laughs> we need to think more about that. Come on, are y'all with me this morning? This is how people talk. We, did you hear that? Oh, man, that was good. Yeah. I, you know, that's important. We need to think more about that. Yes, we do. Which, when you boil all that down, what does that mean? It means we're not doing anything today. <laughs> we're going to pray about it we're going to think about it we're going to talk about it <laughs> and the enemy knows if he can just get you to do that Monday morning you're going to get busy and get your mind on other stuff come on now and next thing you know Sunday will be here again Huh? And then it'll turn into a month, and then a year, and then five years later, somebody else will preach on it, and you'll go, oh, you know, I heard that back there then. Man, I heard this good message on that. I got the DVD. You want to watch it? I took five pages of notes that day. I'm telling you, whoo. I saw some stuff. <laughs> That's not really what matters. What matters? What did you do? Oh, but I love the Lord. I love the Lord. Mm, nobody loved the Lord like I do. <laughs> That's easy to say. But Jesus said, if you don't keep my words, you don't love me. And when his disciple asked him, how are you going to show yourself to some and not to others? He said, this is how. The one that loves me, he'll keep my words. He'll treasure them. He'll put them first place. They won't be advisory to him. They won't be supplemental to him. They will be the truth, the way, 
the life. How many know when you've heard his words, that's it, that's it. Red letters trumps everything. There's nothing else to discuss. There's nothing else to think about, to ponder. As soon as you understand what he said and how you can apply it, what is it time to do? It is time to put it into practice. Why? Because there's a danger. There's a danger that even what you see so clearly right now, like looking in the mirror, you can walk away and forget what you saw. There's a danger with every one of us. Said out loud, Lord, help me to be a doer and not a hearer only. Help me to esteem your words, value them as we ought to. Reveal to us that we may understand what you have said, how it applies to us, and how to do it. How to put it into practice, and we purpose by your grace. With your help, we will be doers, doers, doers of the Word of God. Thank you, Lord. Stand on your feet, everybody, please. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Lord. We're going to observe communion together this morning. And uh, it's a time for us to reflect and remind ourselves of what the Lord has done for us. And uh, this is exactly in line with what we're talking about. So Mr. West was talking about Jesus. He is the Word. The Word was made flesh and manifest among us and dwelt among us. And uh, what we want to do is not let this be routine and ritual just like we're talking about with the words is his body valuable to us is his blood valuable to us i want us to stir ourselves up right now and think about how precious how precious how precious his body his blood what he has said and what he has done for us is lift up your hands for a moment lift up your voices say thank you lord Just begin to thank Him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the precious blood. Thank you, Lord, for the body. How that you gave yourself for us. You offered yourself for us. You, the Word, became flesh and gave yourself as the final and ultimate and complete sacrifice. You redeemed us. You purchased us with your own blood. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We highly esteem. We greatly value. We treasure your sacrifice. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.